welcome to Back of the Grid. I'm Chris, and I'm here as ever with Tom. Hello. It's you. Hi. A day later than usual this week, because we were, we were gallivanting at Formula E at the weekend, so we needed a, a day to recover and catch up on F1 stuff. Come from sitting indoors watching uh, rain through a tiny gap in the air side of a convention center. But yeah, very exciting. A good weekend. That was actually same. probably the most exciting part of the race, to be honest. Waiting for the race to start. Do you give us updates on deciding whether, whether or not we could see enough trees? Yeah. yeah, deciding whether or not yeah. to go home. <laughs> yeah, the... which we nearly did, but I'm glad we didn't. Mm. Um, anyway, anyway <laughs> you're not here for Formula E, even though we love to talk about it. Here for F1. Um, and a pretty packed weekend at Spa, actually. Um, and I thought as sprint races go, fairly decent one. I guess, I guess we've reached the point yeah. in this season where anything where Max Verstappen isn't in the lead counts as an exciting race at this point. Um, <laughs> what, I mean, what do you mean? I, guess... I think every lap he leads, I'm so excited all the edge time I, seat. yeah i'm edge of my seat will he win will he win who knows anything can happen you have to you have to you know you have to see every lap that he's i actually ride on board with him through the entire race <laughs> as well just on like a little separate window just so i can see every single lap and so study a whole new monitor just for verstappen yeah, yeah to study the greatness i mean joking aside i would probably learn a lot from watching that for 40 I bet laps it's actually quite interesting to see him side by side with other <laughs> drivers and just how he's that much faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd have loved to have been directly on board for his little hairy moment up into yeah. uh, Radion. I must admit. We came, we came close to uh, the Verstappen retirement that in theory should happen at some point, but still probably won't. Anyway, uh, sprint race. Um, everybody, well, half the field pitted at the end of... Uh, the safety car um, formation laps. Let, let's call it lap one. Let's call it lap one. The rest of the field pitted on the second lap. Verstappen, the only one of the lead cars in a team to not pit. Can we call that a rare strategic error for Red Bull? Or is that them just, nah. we don't need to even take a risk? It, yeah. It's, I mean, we talked about it a little bit over the weekend, didn't we? I think it's one of those things where it's a... Uh, let everybody else dive in quickly. You never know. Some teams might have decided to try and risk double stacking, depending on where the cars were. Like, avoid that chaos and just take the stop in once you've stretched out a little bit of a gap. Mm. Like, I mean, we were only talking second or so at most, but it can make a big difference when you're trying to make sure you don't get caught up in an unsafe release yeah. or something. Yeah, I, th I think... Overall, I think it was the smart decision. I think if it only takes like a sticky wheel nut or you know a slight error to to slow you down, and then suddenly, if everyone else gets it dead right, then they're all sailing past you, and your your job's suddenly ten times harder. You know, you've suddenly got fifteen overtakes to make. But, sorry, ten overtakes because he started on pole, yeah. didn't he, for the sprint? Um, you suddenly got yeah. ten overtakes to make instead of the one that they had to make to uh, to to get ahead in the race. So, yeah, I think the conservative move of theirs for to hold him out there for one lap and then go into a, what was at that point in the race because he'd pulled away of the, the chasing pack, a slightly less risky pit stop because even if something did go wrong at that point, if they lost a second in that pit stop, they're not losing loads of positions by having to hold him. 
Yeah. So yeah, I thought it made sense. I thought it was initially you can see how it, it, the illusion of it being like, why on earth didn't they pit him? It's yeah. what everyone's doing, but that's precisely why because everyone was pitting, it wasn't worth that risk. So yeah, yeah. IQ one thousand for uh, <laughs> Red Bull for making that call. I think. And you mentioned unsafe releases. I counted at least three over those two <laughs> laps, and none of them were looked at at all. Like there were some extremely ropey pit releases. Howlers. There was a, at them. absolute howlers. Gasly's was an absolute howler into the path of Alonso. Alonso had to be on the... Well, he came out alongside Alonso yeah. and blocked off his pit box. So yeah. Alonso had to go on the brakes to let him through in order to get to his box. Like, How is that not an unsafe... If that's not an unsafe release, I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, it's just it's, crazy. I think the FIA just... There was so much going on. I think the FIA just, instead of... In the opposite move to what they did in Austria, where there were so many track limits violations going on, they somehow managed to count every single one of them and apply the penalty for every single, supposedly every single one of them, and it got ridiculous. With this, they seem to make the choice not to yeah. apply every single infringement of the rule by the rule book and just let it up, let it go, let, it, let the whole thing go. We'll just not bother. Yeah, yeah. Like why? Like what on yeah. earth is that about? Yeah, really weird. Yeah. So um, strange. A couple of other sprint things to talk about. <laughs> um, firstly, Piastri led his first laps in F1. Um, yeah. A pretty unchallenged second place. Um, since they upgraded that McLaren, like, that guy is just so on top of it. Yeah, um, it's a good car. Yeah. Faster than Lando over the, on average all weekend, I would say is no mean feat because we know how good Norris can be. Yes. Um, yeah, really, really good performance. I mean, we, we, we've sort of, we've done the Piastri, let's all sort of pile on the Piastri <laughs> love thing, haven't we, already in the last couple of episodes. But yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's living up to the challenge. The car's, the car's good. The upgrades have brought a lot of pace to that car. I think um, Norris... Norris was in a bit of a pickle because I think he had a bit of damage anyway, didn't he? He in qualifying he damaged the car, and I don't think after yeah. I think after that, unless it's for safety reasons, you can't really repair. You, they're not going to put a new floor on it after qualifying. No. So I think he would have been a little bit hobbled from that. Um, but yeah, uh, almighty performance from from a Piastri, and to lead to lead a race must have been yeah you know, a really really exciting moment for him and for yeah, all his fans. Cool. Yeah, definitely. And then the last sprint thing, which we have to talk about, is the Perez and Hamilton incident, <laughs> for which Hamilton got a five-second penalty and two thoroughly license. thoroughly deserved. I thought actually, I think I think it's ridiculous. He gets away with murder. That guy Lewis Hamilton is always going to people. There's a video online of him just like repeatedly crashing into people. It's, it's outrageous. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how he's got away with it for so long. To be honest, um. No, I think it's a stupid penalty. I think if that's not a if that isn't a racing incident, I don't know what is. Yeah, I think if yeah. if if you only have to look back to Verstappen in Brazil in twenty twenty one, when he I think it was I can't remember the turn numbers, but the end of the uh, end of the back straight where Verstappen went down the inside of Hamilton, well, what tried to basically try to stop Hamilton overtaking by going down the inside, and getting the apex and then just drove Hamilton clean out of road and drove himself off road. Um, that's if that's a racing incident, then how is Hamilton's situation not racing incident in this? Race? I think like it was Austria just... last season when like four drivers got penalties for like 
running people. Yeah. That, and this is the thing, like, I, I don't think I'm quite as outraged by this as you seem to be. But at the same time, if you look at the penalties or not penalties in the past, Hamilton wasn't trying to drive Perez off the road. He understood yeah. into him, ultimately. Yeah. And if, exactly. you're, mm-hmm. if you are going to apportion blame, it's ha- it, it, the blame is on Hamilton because he the onus is on him as the overtaking car to not have a crash and mm. he understeered into someone. I, However, I'm not sure I 100% go on, carry on. The, the, as you've said, the phrase racing incident exists for a reason. And, and I personally think the way Perez chopped across the front of Hamilton in the immediate aftermath was as egregious. Well, that's a separate incident, really. That that was it is, it is a separate so, incident. But so let's just separate just that for at. a there. Yeah, let's let's separate that for a second, and then let's talk about Hamilton's understeering into. So like, really, like Perez knew it was done. Perez was already done at that point. His tires were complete. His rear his rears were absolutely gone. Yeah. Um. If you're gonna if you're gonna de- defend a move in those conditions if you're going to try and hang it around the outside when you've already lost is he'd already lost the corner it was, hamilton was alongside him then you always run the risk of the car on the inside oversteering into you especially in the wet so i don't think you can necessarily blame one person more than the other which is why i think it's a racing incident i think they were equally to blame i think you you need to know when you've lost and you know it's the same in sim racing. Like if some if someone's coming up your inside, and you know they're quicker, and you know what grip level you've got, then you know that you're not going to be able to defend that move. So why put yourself in that position where they they have the opportunity to understeer into you? Why not? Because what Perez has done there is he's ended his own race by not giving the faster car the space to go through. I would I say. I see what you're saying, but at the same time, if Perez had just got out of the way of Hamilton, everyone would be saying, oh, Perez isn't even fighting positions. His, his head's gone. He's like not in, you know, and everyone well, that, would be piling yeah, on him sure, for not, you it's know, not like, I mean, It's nothing no one's already saying, but I think the, what what's happened is he's he's not been able to continue the race. He's had to retire the car. Yeah, so but the, that's, a, that's the risk, right? That's the well, risk yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, that is it. And, and there was just as much risk for Hamilton because Hamilton could have damaged, Hamilton got, could have got a puncture by trying yeah. to go for the overtake. And I'm sure if, I, I reckon if Hamilton had got a puncture and um, been through the pits, had to do a tyre change, then he probably wouldn't have got a penalty. But I think it's the fact that Perez eventually retired or there was, and there was damage to Perez's car that's made them go, oh, it's not a racing incident. We have to blame someone. It's back to the old... Policing the outcome, not the incident. Exactly. Yep. We've had many times, I've isn't it? Said it for yeah. years. Yeah. That the outcome of the incident dic- helps dictate the penalty in this sport. Yeah. Um, and I've said for a long time, I don't think that, that it happens, and it's quite clear that it happens, but I don't Look, think it's I, ju- I just want to say as well, um, like, I'm not saying just quit and let everyone buy. That, that's the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying know when your race is going south and mitigate against that because he, he he was absolutely a sitting duck regardless of that damage that he had he was already a sitting duck he, he was just dropping off and everyone was, was going to go past him he knew his tires were gone so yeah I, I think he put himself in a position where that that was able to happen um i if I can you, see what you're saying, it, was in, but... it would have been impossible to keep that position no matter what. 
like it, it was going by no matter what. So by squeeze, he kind of squeezed him. I thought, and also Hamilton was already alongside. It was Hamilton's corner. <laughs> Hamilton was first but, to the apex. But if it's as easy as you make it out to be, then Hamilton should have been able to drive past him very easily without understeering into him. So there was yeah, obviously also true, of, but the con- there's obviously there's conditions to consider though, isn't there? Like it's yeah. wet, like. <laughs> And as well, if if they want them to race, like they should expect them to be at least there's going to be like racing incidents are going to happen. On the one hand, they're saying we want to give them room to race and let them race, and then the next thing you know, they're giving them all penalties for bumping into each other. So I think I think it's it's not a penalty. Like how, whatever whatever your opinion is, whether I'm right or wrong about Perez, I don't yeah, I still don't I don't think it's a penalty either way. The phrase "racing incident" exists for a reason. <laughs> In conclusion, mm-hmm. um, right? Should we get to the actual? race that um most yeah. people are interested in. Um we'll start in Max Verstappen his unbeatable corner as we always do. Eight victories in a row now, one short of equaling um Vettel's record. Uh he still won by over twenty two seconds from his teammate despite starting sixth on the grid. So, this stat, so happy. this Just... stat has blown my mind. Verstappen's average points per weekend now is over twenty six points. Because he's also won every sprint. So his his oh. average for the season for mm-hmm. a race weekend is twenty six point one points. That is like, bizarre. That is it's so strange. Insanity. Um as ever, you run at superlatives. I, I don't. I don't know when he actually can wrap up the title now, but the fact we've got to the summer break and it's already been done for weeks is ludicrous. Mm. The guy's a machine. Perez, um, we know he had a miserable sprint. I think we've ever seen someone try to keep going and lose as many places in one lap before. <laughs> um, Grand Prix wise, I would say he did the job he's there to do at Red Bull. He took the lead when Verstappen wasn't able to, held second place while Verstappen went and won. Like, it wasn't exactly him taking the fight to Verstappen like he did in the early parts of the season at times, but he was exactly where Red Bull needed him to be, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think he'd have had much of a chance even if he did put up a fight. The the way Verstappen was hovering around behind him, like lifting and coasting into corners just to just to make sure the pass was on the clean and clear yeah. DRS zone of the Camel Straight, I think. Just, yeah, just just said everything it needed to. Um, lifted and coasted into the final sector of the lap. I've, Says a lot. started the pit lane and still won that, I think. Um, maybe he should. Anyway. Maybe they just started from the pit lane. Once he's won yeah, the maybe. championship, just pop him in the pit lane for every race and then it'll give us something to talk about. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about McLaren next. Um, they were really quick in both qualifying sessions and the sprint, but they kind of leaned more into a wet setup than any other team. And then Sunday came around and was mostly dry, which kind of bit them. Um, killed yeah. it all for well. Them, I mean, it? there was there was the one period where it was it wasn't wet enough for wet tires, but it was still wet, and Norris was the fastest person on the track. Um, True. Yeah. It was really interesting race for Norris, actually. They gambled him on a really early switch to the hard tyres, and he was just atrocious on them. He ended up last by some margin. So when that little bit of rain started, but wasn't enough for Inters, he came in for fresh softs on lap 17, 
um, and went out with a slightly wet setup, fresh, warm tires. And he was literally multiple seconds faster than most of the field and basically did like an enormous, like long-term undercut and ended up climbing back up to seventh in the points, um, even though he took those softs for like more than half the race. So kind of an interesting race for Norris, um, despite everything. Piastri, we lost at turn one in a collision with Sainz. Um, Piastri's opinion of it was generally quite sort of middle of the road. Uh, Sainz turned it on me, but it's turn one, these things happen. Sainz was very much of the opinion that Piastri had dive-bombed him. Um, I don't think that's the case at all. I think dive bombs a bit extreme, <laughs> but Piastri was definitely driving. I don't think Piastri, Piastri was definitely driving into a, a gap that was never going to be there. The moment he initiated his braking, there was a gap there, and Science was braking in on a weird line. He was kind of going from one line to the other on his brakes. So well, Science locked up, didn't they? Trying to yeah. get the inside of Hamilton. Yeah, so I think it was up. as much science, which is why, again, that, that is a racing incident. Neither of them were to blame. If anyone, if you were going to blame, if I was going to blame anyone, I'd blame science for taking a weird line into turn one, but that's that's just me. I think, while I think I agree with you, I think if you have to portion blame, it probably is science. He was the one who was going in there all locked up. He kind of closed the gap. Obviously, Hamilton's on the outside, but it was him that had gone in deep and had to tighten the corner. At the same time, Piastri's never going to go out no. like that again. Like Piastri's <laughs> learned a big no. lesson there. Um, but again, like the he's was but, there. The thing is, like he he's looking at his nose into the danger zone. He's looking at the direction science is going and seeing the direction that's coming at the point he hits his brakes. It's the fact that science's direction changed while he was you know, after after Piastri had braked. That's the problem. <sighs> I think the, the the problem is, is though you're going down the inside of. La source. But like, where else is he going to go? There's cars all around. How, how many times have we seen an incident of cars on the inside yeah, of that corner? It's, it's just yeah, what it's that happens. Corner, that corner is a bit of a in turn one. Like, yeah, you do often get like people yeah. get pinched there. Don't I mean, they, so. it's practically a hairpin within, what, 100 metres of run to turn starting the race? Exactly, and it's probably one of the tightest turn yeah. ones on the calendar as well, if not Especially the tightest. Especially now that I've got rid of all the runoff so. one used to use. Remember that year when Kimmy just like went steaming and just drove off the track and ran the outside of everybody on the exit? Was that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, what might help there a little bit, but obviously might lead to exploitation, I guess, is if the wall wasn't so close to the apex because there'd be some element of runoff where someone like Piastri in that scenario could have escaped a little bit, but still kind of being compromised so wouldn't have got an advantage from cutting across it if that maybe. makes sense i think that's like i think you could have maybe saved the scenario but i mean that's just clutching yeah. at ways to stop that being an incident i think to that's be honest. one of the things that makes that such a good corner though it's like there's a wall at the apex like yeah i mean well there's always there are always hairy ones i think it's one of those corners where you just have to be so much more aware of your surroundings than maybe most of the corners on the calendar yeah. so especially to turn one and i think um you know the responsibility of that is is, is they all bet burden as they all bear as much responsibility in that moment as, as each other into that corner yeah. everyone knows where a difficult corner it is and they, they know they go into it knowing that there's going to be a squeeze so the onus is on mm -hmm. you as the driver to not be the one who makes that squeeze happen almost in a way you mm -hmm. need to be ultra aware of your surroundings and i think 
Sainz probably wasn't quite as aware of his surroundings or didn't maybe either wasn't as aware or didn't put enough care into positioning his car as he probably should. And I think Piastri is probably guilty of the same. I mean, I sort of see that, but I think, for example, if you look like further back in the grid, there's it was Stroll versus um, one of the Alpines. It'll have probably been Sonoda given the position. Like that was more or less the same incident, the same positioning with a slightly different outcome because I guess both drivers had that extra awareness, which is, I guess, surprising because you'd expect it to normally be the other way around. You'd expect it to be your leading drivers taking that little bit extra yeah. care and uh, those more in the midfield being a little bit more desperate to make the move work. It's the but sort of incident it you what expect it to see in junior series and for the most part, drivers have got that sort of thing out of their system by F1, but it still happens from time to time. Yeah. There's, there's maybe an element of, yeah, the rookie nature for Piastri. Like, maybe he backs out of it a little bit harder if if yeah. he's learnt from it. I, I don't know. Like, I don't think there's any blame to really be apportioned either way because they've, they've, both, they've both ended up as bad as each other. And, yeah, they've, you know, they've, they've both got something to to kind of account for, I guess. Like, Piastri maybe sticking his nose where it shouldn't have been and Sainz not being as aware of what's alongside him when he's he's making a move to avoid Hamilton. So they've both got something to, to have blame laid him for. <laughs> um, we're already talking about Ferrari, so I'm going to move us on to them next and keep us going. Um, I mean, I don't really need to say much more about Sainz. Leclerc... All things considered, pretty good weekend, pretty complete weekend for him. Yeah. Um, he obviously inherited pole after Verstappen's gearbox penalty. He was never going to do anything to avoid Perez passing him, but yeah. held off Hamilton. It immediately down yeah. the Kemmel straight. Held off Hamilton, picked up a podium. Um, a, a pretty solid drive, I thought, from Leclerc, that. A, a sort of clean, solid drive that I think he needed. Um, yeah, not what I expected. If I'm totally no, honest, no, I thought the Mercedes going into the weekend have, um, have more race pace. To be honest, yeah, um, yeah, and, and Ferrari have a lack thereof yeah. as well. Maybe the cold conditions helped possibly. a little bit. The cooler conditions, especially their work with the team suffering on tires as well, and Ferrari seemed to avoid that this weekend. Um, yeah. It does extend yeah. a record that uh, Leclerc has got that he'd be keen to get rid of that's now nine pole position or nine front row starts i guess you should say nine pole starts in a row now that he's not converted into wins oh you know it was a pole position because of it, diff- weird mm, yeah um, yeah but you're always going to struggle to convert a pole position when you're in a ferrari and the red bulls when when you've got straights as long it as this, does, you've got that red that, on the track and you're not that nine extends doesn't account for the other eight yeah, though. That nine extends. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, but I think this season much better. <laughs> Only one of them nine is this yeah, year. You've never <laughs> winning this race, but there we go. Mm. Uh, Mercedes Hamilton finished fourth from third on the grid. Um, again, he was never going to stop Verstappen passing him, but pretty solid drive otherwise. Um, yeah, yeah, he's they actually finished about behind. Where their car is, didn't they? So basically, yeah, yeah, that's it. So caught Alonso in the drivers. Nick's now, fastest um, lap as well. Yeah, Nick fastest lap that puts him one point behind Alonso for third in the drivers' championship. Not that Lewis Hamilton cares one bit about finishing third, but there we go. Um, no, but I bet he'd love to. Alonso. 
get past yeah. Fernando given the start that they had whether to that the was season. third or fourth or 18th it, and 19th he would like to beat a lot yeah whether, and whether it will ever openly be discussed and admitted I'm pretty confident that there's a slight mentality there of when he looks at those standings <laughs> there's a I'm going to I'm going to have him Fernando. I'm going to have him <laughs> yeah Russell described his weekend as rubbish and said he was glad when it was over um, <laughs> he was kind, kind of off the pace all weekend wasn't he um he lost a bunch of plays at the start and clawed back to sixth, but I mean, it's not much to add really. It was just a fairly another fairly middling weekend yeah. for him, unfortunately. That's two sixth yeah. in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna keep rattling through. Aston Martin seemed better this weekend. Um, Alonso climbed from ninth to fifth. Um, he finished ahead of a McLaren and a Mercedes. That's the first time since Austria. Um, Aston Martin has finished ahead of either of those teams. Um, I have seen interesting internet rumblings today, I think coming via Ted Kravitz, that the downturn in Aston Martin's performance is potentially because of the FIA quietly closing a loophole that they might have been exploiting. Oh, really? Yeah. No, not really any suggestion of what the loophole might have been, but Ted Kravitz has been sniffing around and asking questions and getting some interesting answers in that kind of vibe which is yeah yeah ted, ted kravitz is the kind of guy as well that you could show him virtually virtually identical cars and he would find <laughs> the difference between them like he's very good i mean i'm sure he has assistance with it as well but from what i've always seen ted is very good at being able to quickly identify changes on cars when it comes to things like air, you know obviously things yeah. that are visible in terms of aero and, and stuff like that so nice. I wouldn't be surprised if he's noticed a bit of a change and kind of gone, well, you know, where, where's this change yeah. come from? And as soon as everyone's a bit cagey about why it's happened, then it maybe leads to opening up a couple of stories like this. So He's not the sort of guy who just mm. says stuff for clicks either, Ted. Like, there's generally... Well, he doesn't need to, does he? Exactly, yeah. He's got his pocket cheese for that. <laughs> oh, <of> <laughs> okay, Don't next think about that. <laughs> Right, Alpine... <laughs> Let's try to keep this fairly brief. We might talk about this more as the story develops over the coming weeks. On track, it was their best weekend in a while. Um, Gasly, really good third in the sprint. Then Ocon was eighth in the Grand Prix. That's their best weekend points haul since Monaco. Still, you know, a, a third in the sprint and eighth, not huge points, but it's it's an uptick. Off track, however, they suddenly dropped mid-weekend that after the race on Sunday... It was going to be the exit of team principal Otmar Safnauer, sporting director Alan Permain, who has been at Team Enstone for like 35 years, um, and chief mm-hmm. technical officer Pat Fry. Pat Fry actually had chosen to leave himself before this, but it happened to be the same weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in a month at Alpine, we've had that. It started with that announcement of the 200 million euro investment and Ryan Reynolds involved and all that nonsense. Then the CEO, Laurent Rossi, got shuffled aside and replaced. Um, The head of the power unit division, who'd only been there a few months, suddenly got promoted to vice president of Alpine. And then, like, in the last five years, we've had Cyril Abitable kicked out, Martin Bukowski kicked out, um, Nick Chester, who's a technical director, Bob uh, Bob Bell went as well. Peter Nishan, who was the head of aerodynamics, who was, like, a big headline signing at the time. Um, I mean, five years is a long time still, so... (laughs) It is, um, 
but yeah, I, you, you make a good point. There's a, it's a bit, a bit of a revolving door there at the moment, isn't it? It's so messy. Um, they've got like an interim principal sporting director now. There's rumours that Mattia Bonotto is being lined up to come <laughs> in to steady the ship now. Because um, he did like, such a good job at Ferrari. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> ultimately, it seems like Luca De Mayo, who's the Renault CEO, is just like, nothing's good enough for him. Every time they're not hitting their targets, he's just like kicking mm. people out. Yeah, this is this is kind of crazy. I feel like this we can save for um, maybe in the next couple of weeks, have a pro- give it some proper time. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think there'll be more to come out over the summer breaks. I imagine of of some specifics. Yeah. I think like as, as a quick headline, it's a team that, in my opinion, has not had a proper identity for a while. Like with stuff like the rebrands, yeah. the, yeah. the sponsorships, the shuffling of staff, the now buyout or well, not buyout per se, but the you know the huge kind of investment purchase, like. I feel like it's a team that since being Renault, Renault has not truly had a proper stable existence, which probably covers that five-year period, I would guess. Um, So I'd be interested to see if by the end of the season that is sort of rectified and we're going to next year with something with a little bit of consistency, but they're going to walk into Ferrari problems if they're not careful. Just getting rid of people Mm -hmm. and turning them over constantly does not lead to performance as teams like that can testify. We'll quickly do Alpha Terry next. Um, Sonoda wasn't great in qualifying all the sprint, but Grand Prix, Sonoda did fantastically, I thought, dragging yeah. that absolute shed of a car into the points. <laughs> um, first points since Baku, I think, for them. Um, good 20 seconds ahead of Ricardo. Really good drive for Sonoda, I thought that. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was a good drive. I think, you know, finishing ahead of his teammate is not going to be that difficult to begin with because, you know, Ricardo's got to find his feet again at that team. But yeah, um, yeah, very good drive otherwise. I think some good action from him as well. So yeah, very enjoyable to watch. Yeah, um, Ricardo's weekend was sort of the other way around. He had a decent sprint. He was kind of, unlucky is the wrong word, but he came close to picking up um, a point in the sprint. Um, it'd, yeah, it'd have been a GP point, wouldn't it? It was 10th, yeah. I think. Is that right? Yeah. But yeah, pretty off the pace on Sunday. Um, a little bit of a return to earth after a fairly solid um, comeback in Hungary, but yeah, only second race back, I guess. Yeah, give him a chance. Yeah. And the last couple to wrap up, Alfa Romeo actually looked better, but they kind of botched qualifying, which sort of left them too much to do. They managed to drag themselves back up to like a couple of points outside the points, um, could place outside the points. Four races in a row now, they've not scored, but they've got, had, had upgrades and they looked a little better, but still not enough. Mm-hmm. Williams, pretty disappointing, actually. Williams had quite high hopes for this track. Um, obviously, the wet conditions didn't let them kind of exploit the straight line speed so much that that car's got. Um, but then even in the dry on Sunday, they sort of were all the gains they had in the fast stuff were more than outdone by their lost in the slow stuff and their deg was pretty high. So yeah. Yeah, I think they suffered most when they weren't on the soft tire. Like on the soft tire, they looked quite racy. And and I think what that gave them in those like twistier sections, like the back end of the circuit, it was enough to kind of 
counter that to some degree. But as soon as they go on the mediums, they could never compete with anyone through the, the back half of the circuit, yeah. could they really? And they'd kind of claw it back going into uh, the the start of a new lap, maybe attack someone down the Camel Straight with DRS, but couldn't then maintain it on the mediums for whatever reason. So yeah. a good first 10 laps for them both and then all fell apart after that really, didn't it? Yeah, it's a shame. Um, we should add as well with all the Alpine departures, uh, Pat Fry has left to go to Williams to be their new chief technical officer, which is a good signing for Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And probably a statement on how things are at Alpine when someone is leaving to go to um what are they, the eighth place team currently, Williams? Yeah, but I think, it, I think it shows you the pull of what um, what the new management is doing there, though. So, yeah, you know, definitely. There's, there's definitely yeah. an upturn in form at that team. So, I feel like it feels and, like they're on the right path. And sure. that combined with what Pat Fry will have probably been able to see unfolding in front of his own eyes of uh, yeah. Alpine has probably just led him to maybe start looking around the grid and a team like Williams is going to jump at the chance for someone like him to join, aren't they? In, in yeah. the in the rebuild sort of phase that they're in now. So, yeah. And then finally on the list, it's Haas. It was the same story as ever. They were decently qualifying. <laughs> they went backwards. They haven't scored a point since Baku. They're having a terrible time. Sad times. Everything sucks at Haas. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, which brings us on to our awards, and we'll start with Driver of the Day. Hmm. It's an interesting one, this, because I think there's probably a few you could make good cases for. Like, I mean, Sonoda's probably up there as one of them for me. Because um, I think that was a really good drive. Uh, don't know if anyone's I mean, got any, well, I mean, <laughs> any others of all, I think specifically. But... We'd be mad not to give it to Max Verstappen for making five overtakes in the world's fastest <laughs> car, wouldn't we? Overtake King Max Verstappen. Yeah. I mean, you 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 lay that sarcasm down, but he did finish nearly twenty three seconds ahead of his teammate in the exact same car. That's true, but despite starting four positions behind him, yeah. I'm not sure it's the teammate that's. Well, I mean, look, I think if you had someone, There's... if you had like an Alonso in that car or a Hamilton or someone else, the, I don't believe for one second that the gap would be twenty seconds. I think it'd be a much more interesting season. I I agree wholeheartedly, but. I think it's unfair to label sarcasm against Max Verstappen <laughs> when he is absolutely dominating his own teammate as well. Tom, you better get used to the sarcasm, mate, because it's here to stay. Verstappen's going to be winning a lot of races this year, and the only way I'm going to be able to enjoy it is by yeah, enjoying the prob- it to the The problem fullest. I have with it is it's deservedly so. Um, you can't, you yeah, can't take that away I mean, from yeah, him. He he, is, he's been the best, hasn't he? He has been absolutely on form. And even if that car wasn't as good as it was, he would probably still be in a very similar position to what he is. Someone in the chat is like, is, the, is it the exact same car? That's a fair question. <laughs> is it the exact same car? Tin foil hats at the ready. There's not many other drivers like leaping out as a definite driver. Like Leclerc, Hamilton, Alonso all did good jobs. They did the job you'd expect them to do, I guess. I yeah. think I might want to give it to Sonoda. He's the only person looking at this list that's like done something you wouldn't expect. I'm glad that was my suggestion then. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can go for that. I can go for that. And it's different. Yeah, I don't think we've different. ever given it to him before. <laughs> Just you on the tin four hat, because everyone's popping off about this on the, on the tin four hat kind of thing. Like it would be 
a good way of saving money would be to only put upgrades on one car and not on the other, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Especially you know in, when your budget what? is being squeezed and your aero time is... I suppose aero time applies for both cars, but if you wanted to well, only manufacture one set of upgrades, then that'd save you a bunch of cash. But they do clearly look the same, the cars, so I don't believe that. While we're having this discussion, there is a question in the inbox from Darth Kilowog who says, do we think Max and Checo are actually running the same spec car? Checo may not be an A1 driver, but he's not a full Mazepin away from Max, is he? <laughs> I enjoy Mazepin as a measure of That's F1 a, Yeah, balance. that is a good reference. I suppose I suppose the question would be, has, if you're saying that, has anyone ever had the same car as Max? Because the last time a teammate was close to him was Daniel Ricciardo. For, for perspective, yep. the also, last time a teammate was consistently close to Max Verstappen was Daniel Ricciardo. It's also a valid question. Like That's just as I, valid a question. I described this to a friend over the weekend as it's like comparing two footballers and they're both wearing the same boots, but those boots have been designed to perfectly fit one of the two footballers. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean the other one isn't also good, but... Just the equipment is just specifically made for one of them and not at all made for the other one. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's an extremely specific driving style there. That too. The very, very front-end-based driving style. And generally speaking, everybody else goes more balanced. As a general rule of thumb, there's not many other drivers that go that way. Although one of them is Daniel Ricciardo. And lo and behold... (laughs) Daniel Ricciardo was a teammate that could go toe-to-toe. So Mm. therein lies part of the puzzle, I would say, or at least a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, Okay, we do move of the day. day. We're actually spoiled for choice this weekend. Quite a few. Lots of good moves, yeah. Um, I'll just run down the list that I jotted down. Um, Stroll did a bit of a dive bomb onto Norris um, early in the race, which was quite tasty into the final chicane. we had a load of round the outsides of Lacombe moves. Sonoda did Albon, Russell got Stroll, and Ocon got Sonoda, which I think of those three, the Ocon one was probably the best of the bunch because that was the one where he kind of, he was behind through the braking zone and then he's kind of got off the brakes a bit early on turning and swung around the outside, which I thought was very good. Um, we had Norris around the outside of Sargent at a turn 10, which is not a place you normally see moves, although he did have a massive tyre advantage at that point. Um, I also really enjoyed late in the race, Gasly got past Albon and they went side by side through like 13, 14 and 15, which was quite spicy. I liked Gasly with Albon, basically. Out of, I mean, obviously I enjoyed all of those, but I think at the time of watching them, them all unfold. I think that um, Gasly fighting with Albon and going wheel to wheel. And I think they're probably again, quite... Again, showing drivers from the front how maybe to battle through those corners effectively without taking each other out. Well, I mean, it's a bit different because it's dry, isn't it? <laughs> but um, the, the, the Those two cars are quite, I would say, probably a fairly close match right at this point of the season like they're not like a million world away from each other. yeah they were both set up quite differently for this track but i would say like in the pecking order the williams is you know not a million miles away from the alpine and i think it gave us a a real true battle like between two drivers for that reason and um and it went on for many many corners so it was really exciting to watch so that's yeah that's my move of the day too 
goes yeah, to the past. Can't argue with that. Easy. Uh, and then final award. Honestly, what the f are we doing here? We've had a couple of nominations from Discord. One from Cody B, who said the FIA not <laughs> declaring the track wet in the sprint shootout, even though the track was obviously wet. <laughs> She's quite funny. Uh, and then Mike P just nominated the trophy. And it, it was a particularly ugly trophy this weekend. Oh, I didn't um, see it. I, I tuned out. As soon as it was the, a bit of a yeah, it was a bit of a weird looking thing. It would, got broken would, again. Did you know? By the way, one yeah, got broken again. WTF two, a second broken trophy. In two they, they just they just heard that last week time we tried to give it to, like when when on earth does a trophy ever get broken? So like we'll show you. <laughs> Hold my beer. Two in a row. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I. I think maybe firing your entire management team after free practice maybe is up yeah, there. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> Obviously, one. the decision might be made before that, but it essentially was like, FP1's over and you're all fired. Yeah. They certainly <laughs> announced it mid-weekend. Yeah, I think um, probably for me, it's the million, say, uh, the million unsafe releases that happened during the sprint race, then they just would never even... Close yeah. to being oh, so out. many, I think, like, yeah. So strange, like there was a whole bunch of them, and they just ignored them completely. Spot for choice again. Mm. Um, I do quite like the firing half your team. Yeah, that, is, that does have a good comedy. <laughs> I, I think I've, that's got my vote actually. That's going to be one where when we come to review at the end of the season, we'll all go, "Oh yeah, that's a thing that yeah. happened." Um, and there we go. Let's move on to predictions. Tom, do you want to do your thing? Yeah, let's quickly go through these. So, um, as many of you may already know, the Predictions League is hosted at backofthegrid.com. So if you hear this next bit and you feel like getting involved once summer break's gone, go pre-register now. Then you're already in waiting. Um, in terms of this week's scores, a ridiculous number of people all scored the same top score of three points. 43 people including our very own Chris Evans right here. Scored three points. That was the best score overall. Didn't even notice. Varying combinations. Not many people got the first DNF right, maybe because of the highs that McLaren have had recently. Maybe they weren't looking in that direction, but some people still got it. So it was was achieved by some. Um, in terms of the overall standings, though, what that does is it moves... Oh, sorry, it keeps James Hunt at the top with 28 points. Um but effortlessly and Benjamin Claxton are very close behind tied for second with 27 points. Uh, and just a shout out to like everyone who got involved as well generally this weekend, because well over 200 people who entered scored at least a point, which I know in a Max Verstappen dominance era is probably quite easy, but that's still a nice number for us to see entering and actually scoring points. So that's really good. Um, in terms of the fantasy leagues, we've got the Grid Rival Fantasy League, which this week was won by uh, F301Bish with 980 points this weekend um, and effortlessly still leads the way there with 12,173 points. And I noticed this weekend as well, effortlessly is fourth in the world on wow. Grid Rival for this season, representing our wow. our league. Good going. Yeah. So little shout out for that. And then over on the official F1 Fantasy League as well, we've got um, Alpine RT with 346 points winning the weekend uh, and the Spinquisition still leads the way there. I feel like that's been the same all season, but uh, they have 3,592 points now. 
so yeah, a little shout out there for all of you. And as I said before, if you want to get involved with any of those things, head to backofthegrid.com. You can sign up for the Predictions League and see how it works on there. And there's also links on there for both the Fantasy Leagues if you want to join one or both of them. Cool. I guess it's time for Inbox at this point, isn't it? Hit the button. Keep it saying now. Stay, stay who wants the first one? I'll first take the first actually. one. Uh, well, the first couple, yeah. Um, Benson, these are both from Benson, and there's another one from Lucas. So Benson says, hey, man, after the start behind the safety car in the wet for the sprint and everyone pitting for instance as soon as it came in, does this mean that that's all for the wet tyre now? Or do we will we actually get to see some racing going on then? And Lucas says, hey, man, if we aren't going racing on the wet tyres anymore due to safety, and if we have to pretend that bringing a few less tyres to each race will make a meaningful difference to their sustainability, can they not just bring the wet tyre to races and abandon the stupid quality setup tried at Hungary? Oh, they, can they just not bring the wet? That doesn't, it's I mean... a good point. It's a very good point. Yeah. I Teams mean, don't like using them, do they? Drivers don't like using them. Pirelli exactly. themselves have said, we kind of agree with the drivers, which is, I guess, where some of these questions have come from. They yeah. basically said, like... Yeah, we sort of see why teams don't like the wet tyre. It feels useless. Um, I mean, surely that just means we need to look at a redesign of the tyres to some degree? Well, so in that interview where the guy from Prelia, I can't remember specifically who it was, basically said, like, yeah, we do accept that the wet tyres are basically only good for clearing water behind the safety car now. But he did make the point that earlier this season they designed and brought a new compound of wet tire that was supposed to be more raceable and all of the teams tried it and said yeah seems great let's have it and now they're all just having exactly the same complaints so he was a little bit like well we tried and all the teams said it was good and now they've changed their mind so what just an idea to float out there probably because of where we were over the weekend what about making the inter slightly more capable in the more difficult wet conditions, like moving it a little bit more towards the wet and having something like a, a hybrid tire, which is essentially where I'm coming from. What is used in formula E, which is a semi group, like what the intermediate is, it's a semi grooved slick, but yeah. it actually runs dry and wet without, too much difficulty transitioning between the two. Are we, are we not missing the point of this, though? This, I don't think the issue is with the grip of the tyre. I think it's the visibility. No, exactly. The issue, isn't it? The, the tyres, the tyre grips, it runs great. It's the it's the fact that you can't see when, when well, everyone yeah. runs the tyre because it kicks so that. much mist up into the air that you can't, so much spray in the air that you can't, you can't race because you don't know where you are on the track. Yeah, and that's um, not they ran these they've run these tires before before we had this aero formula they were running these tires and no one was complaining it's only since the new aero formula they started yeah. complaining because of the amount of spray and you know call me crazy but when you've got under when when all your downforce is generated through cycling air through the underfloor disturbing yeah. the air underneath there and inherently disturbing the water that's going to be there as well of course there's going to be more spray so I don't think it's fair to necessarily just blame the tire and say the tire's no good. I think they could make the softest, most grippiest tire in the world, but as long as it's as long as the diffuser's kicking out as much um spray as what it is, then you're still gonna have the same problem. And um, they tried these, you know, they tried the spray guards and they're for all intents and purposes, they're pretty ineffectual. And that's yeah. because the spray isn't just coming from the tires, it's coming from underneath the car as well. 
So almost entirely, it turns out from 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 the test, the conclusion was basically, "Yep, diffuses the problem. Not yeah. a lot we can do." So what? That. So what we're saying is. Get rid of the diffuser and go back to just <laughs> no aero. Stu's yeah. dream of cigar race cars. That's, I mean, that would well. be, they would look sick, wouldn't they? But um, <laughs> you could stick a board over the back of the diffuser. That'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know what this, I think, obviously, they never really considered, like, racing in the rain for this aero formula. I don't think they really, and I, who could have foreseen, I don't think anyone could have foreseen, like, this amount of spray being churned up during wet races and plus they don't really race in the wet that often still anyway so yeah we've had a few but it's not been i guess like with climate change and things there's, there's probably going to be more and more and more occasions when there are um wet weather races but that's you know that's that's not a debate we want to get into here <laughs> um but yeah i think i think it is a bit unfair to to pile them to pirelli the way people do i think it's it's much more about the the aero formula than it is about the uh the tire itself yeah for Fair. sure next, um, one. next question from sarah hey man if hamilton and checo was not a racing incident then what is <laughs> you tell me piestrian sides <laughs> well apparently yeah <laughs> yeah i mean answered there's, moving there's, on there's, <laughs> there are plenty of way 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 worse things happened that have just gone down as racing incidents yeah so yeah, you tell me you, you just just go back through and watch any season of formula one and i'm sure you'll be able to find multiple incidents way worse not penalized but anyway yeah next one next one bob the cat says should fastest lap be scrapped uh he seems to have stopped us from seeing lewis battle for a podium i mean i see i only watched the sort of edited down highlights so like, was there ever a shot of Lewis catching up? I'm not really I, sure from what I saw. I mean, it was within a good couple of seconds um, towards the end of the race, whether it was a legit, like, attempt push for a podium, I don't know. But I think maybe that's what, between him and the team, they'd kind of somehow work, yeah. worked out and sort of gone, well, it's going to be a hard push to make it work. Uh, we're not gaining any more than we're already gaining. Like we can't close this two second window. Let's get an extra point. Why not? I think I, that's an I still like the fastest lap point, to be honest, like in a, in a season like 2021 where it was super close. Yeah. Like yeah. Having that extra way of scoring points, that extra dimension, I actually found really quite cool. I quite yeah. like it. And what better way to attempt to get Max Verstappen's average points down to 25 than take <laughs> one point away from him every race? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Just saying. Good there idea. you go, I'm joining in with the sarcasm now. Uh, is it me? Next one, yeah. um, Dennis Miner says, Hey man, with Alpine basically firing team principal and a couple of us on the pitfall, do you think their replacements are going to being thrown into the fire the way they are or should they have waited until the end of the year to terminate them um and cody b <laughs> says following the massive personnel overalls this year at alpine which team is more of a mess right now alpine or ferrari well i think definitely alpine <laughs> yeah alpine is definitely more of a mess um yeah I, I mean i alluded to chopping and changing people in certain positions isn't always a solution you don't address the actual problem there um, you have to give these people in charge time to like effect change. 
And I feel like Ferrari is a team bad for not doing that sometimes. Um, Alpine could quite easily be starting to fall into that trap uh, of team leader doesn't get instant results, therefore fired is not really the way to run a team. You only have to look at the teams that are successful and how long team principals and key staff have been instilled in those teams to show what difference it does actually make um, when you do the comparisons. So they need to be careful, definitely. Makes it all the more ironic that their answer to the problems at the moment looks like he's going to be Mattia Bonotto, who just seems (laughs) to be stepping out of the frying pan into, well, getting (laughs) thrown out of a frying pan and landing in a fire. But um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I imagine we'll talk a lot more about that situation over the uh, break. Yeah, presumably yeah. when Bonotto is announced there, if if he is next. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last question from Billy Moyer. So I guess Daniel Ricciardo wasn't the answer. Alpha Terry. Can we agree on that? No, he's not been no. even remote. He's yeah. done like what? He's not even done a proper race week. Who are you, Helmut Marco? <laughs> I said that's even more premature decision than firing DeFries. Yeah, yeah, it's like let's get DeFries back in there, shall we? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, he definitely needs a bit more time, I think. Yeah. And it's this one I mentioned earlier that um Perez right now is further behind Verstappen at the summer break than Gasly was at the summer break right before Gasly was fired. Just for a little little interesting tidbit mm. there. But anyway, um, that, I think, is everything from Belgium for us. A couple of honourable mentions that people have uh, brought up in the last week that I said I would do. Um, We have to mention Jake Dennis, who wraps up the Formula E World Championship with one race to spare, which was a shame because we were there for the (laughs) second day in London, so we didn't get to see the majority of those celebrations or excitement. Um, Quick mention as well to Sophia Flush. Um, She became the first female driver to score points in F3 uh, since the sort of rebound from GP3 um, and the first points for her team this season. Um, They basically nailed the tyre call and climbed from 24th to 7th on the grid. Wow, that's a good result. A heck of a way to score your first points. Very good drive. And then just to finish off with a quick bit of housekeeping stuff, as we've said, that is it for the first half of the season. Uh, We're off for three weeks now. Um, or F1's away for three weeks now. Uh, last weekend of August is the next race in... Is it Zandvoort, isn't it, the yep. next race? Yeah, Zandvoort is next. Um, we'll still be around over the break. Um, there's, We'll definitely be doing a bit of a mid-season uh, review. Um, we've been talking for weeks about discussing the 2026 regulations, so we'll probably fit that in there as well. Um, there's also... We had quite a lot of inbox this week that was not... Uh, Grand Prix at Belgium related so I've already thrown all that in the uh, notes for next time so we'll get to that so if your question didn't get read out this week it's probably in there for the next episode Um, if you want to send us a question or a comment or anything between now and then as always we're in all the usual places Twitter, Facebook, Instagram Uh, don't forget we're on YouTube as well now you can always drop us a YouTube comment if you want to leave a question that way um, if you want to chat to all of our Discord friends, you can go to patreon.com slash back of the grid to find out how to join that. Um, and if you're listening to this on the day it's released, I'm going to be at the Silverstone Museum. So I'll probably put some pictures of nice race cars on um, Instagram tomorrow. Mm. So have a look at that as well if you want. That'll be fun. That will be fun. Um, but I think that is that is everything. So thank you as ever for joining us. We will almost certainly be back in a week's time. And until then, goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.